In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a son who is a Red Sox fan. He can't help it. I know. I hope I don't want to offend anybody. He can't help it. He says it's in his DNA. And the other day, he came home and he was so excited because he had met another Red Sox fan. I guess they identify themselves by the baseball cap with the big red B on it. And he was really excited because this particular fan was about 50 years old and had actually been and at the entire 1975 series games. And I'm clueless about baseball, so just I don't even know what happened in 1975, but apparently something big happened with the Red Sox. So he, he was just going on about this. I said, don't you have like DVDs? Don't you have books on that? Don't you have all of this stuff about that series? And he just sort of gave a deep sigh. And he goes, yes, but it's not the same. And I say, why is it not the same? He said, mom, you don't understand. This guy was there. He was there. He saw every play. I'm like, you're right. I don't understand. <laughs> but I'm trying to be a good mother. And I said, well, so, so what is it about being there? I mean, why is it so important that you, you can connect with this guy who was, was there? He said, because you can't ask a DVD the questions you want to ask. I go, oh. So his imagination of what happened at that game or the questions he had about that game, he was able to ask this person who had actually been there and witnessed the game. And it was like an amazing experience for him because he could hear from this guy firsthand about his observations. And with a DVD or a book, we're limited to whatever the author is telling us, and we don't have a chance to ask questions. Being a first-hand witness is important for that very reason, because a first-hand witness is available then to us to ask the questions that we want to ask. And the story in Acts that we heard today was a story about the disciples sitting around saying, you know what, we need to replace Judas. Judas had betrayed Christ, he had died, and now there were just 11. And part of what the disciples wanted to do was honor the memory of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons. And so they needed a 12th person. Now last Thursday in our church calendar year, Jesus ascended to heaven. So this is where we are in the calendar year. It's the seventh Sunday of Easter. Jesus is now gone. He's ascended back to the Father. The Holy Spirit has not come. Pentecost is next Sunday. We are in between Jesus ascending to his Father and the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost. And so the disciples are right there in this story in Acts. They're in between Jesus ascending and the Holy Spirit coming. And all they know is that they need 12. They need 12 people. So what is the criteria? The criteria to pick a 12th apostle is that they needed to witness the life of Jesus firsthand. And so they went through the 120 believers that were standing around, they found two guys. Joseph, he has like three names in the reading, Joseph and Matthias. And then they cast lots and, and they elected Matthias. That's why we have a St. Matthias in East Rochester. <laughs> it's named after this person who got elected into Judas's place. 
But they wanted a first-hand witness because here are these 12 people. Now their job is to go out and tell people the story of Jesus. And what better people than people who walked with him and ate with him and saw him and observed what he was doing? So they were first-hand witnesses. First-hand witnesses are important for us, especially as we celebrate Memorial Day. We know people still who have experienced World War II. We can talk to them about what that experience was like. People who were in Vietnam, Korea, people who have come back from Iraq, people who served in the military that can come and tell us firsthand what it is like. Not something that we see impersonally on a DVD or on a movie screen or read in a book, but real people who can really express to us what it is like. In schools, they've had Holocaust survivors go around and talk to the children, show them the numbers that tattooed on their arms. What an impression the children receive when they're talking to somebody who lived through that horror so that we don't forget, that we remember, so that we don't repeat these things of history that we shouldn't repeat. Last weekend, Scott and I went to Nashville, and my son and I drove to Memphis so we could see the Museum of Civil Rights, and it's in the hotel where Martin Luther King was shot, gunned down. And there's something about being there, seeing the spot, and going through the museum and remembering what, for me, it was something I observed as a child. And what an impression it makes when you talk to a first-hand witness. They had a first-hand witness at the museum that day who had stood with Martin Luther King the night before he died when he delivered the speech, I've been to the mountain. Been to the mountaintop. I may not make it to the promised land with you, but we're all going to get there someday. It's important we have these museums and we make time to remember these important events and that we have first-hand witnesses to help us so that as a society and a, a culture we can, we can progress beyond where we've been in the past. What happened in the past shapes us in the present and hopefully sends us on the right road to the future. But in the Gospel today, we hear Jesus praying to God. Now, I first read that gospel, and I read it to Scott. He says, it sounds like who's on first in the Bible. <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me. Did you hear that gospel? I'm yours, you're mine, we're all together. You know, it's like, help me understand what that's all about. So I read it back to Scott, and he said, oh, I get it now. It's, it's Jesus saying to God, you know what? I'm on my way to you, and I'm worried about the people I'm leaving behind. I need you to protect them to care for them like I have cared for them because I'm now going to be gone. Have you ever been in a leadership position and then you leave the leadership position and you worry about the people you've left behind? What's going on with them? Are they okay? Are they still going down the right path? So Jesus is praying intensely to God, you must help these people. Help them, protect them from the evil one. They know that I come from you they're in the world. The world is crazy. It's a crazy world. It can be a bad world. They're not of the world, but they're in the world. They need your protection in the world. And I wonder what Jesus thought of once he goes. We all know that the longer 
we're away from somebody and the memory begins to fade, which is why we have customs like Memorial Day, to resurrect the memory for ourselves. How many of us can remember when we, our first day of kindergarten? It was a long time ago. Memories fade. So we continually, we continually have to do something intentional to keep memories alive, which is why we have Memorial Day, which is why we have flowers here for Dorian Hercules, so we can keep his memory alive, that we can celebrate his life and remember him, that he was a part of this community. So for Jesus, the problem would be how this, this incarnate person, this, this man and this divine person, how do we keep that memory alive? So we ask God, he prays to God. Well, we're waiting now for the Holy Spirit, which will come next Sunday at Pentecost. And Jesus' memory is 2,000 years old. But here we are in 2009, still talking about this, this person. Because what God did through the power of the Holy Spirit was enable us not only to remember Jesus, but to make Jesus present, to bring Jesus into the present. This is why we have the Eucharist. Because every Sunday, Jesus becomes present to us in the bread and in the wine. And as a church, as Episcopalians, that's what we believe. That it's not a memorial, it's not a symbol, but what we do in the bread and the wine is we make Jesus present. And that's why we do it every Sunday. Now in the Episcopal Church, we had communion once every four weeks a long time ago, but when the liturgy changed, the decision was, we need Eucharist every Sunday because we need to make Jesus present to us. Like the first-hand witness, we need to feel the presence of Christ because then the next week we have to go back out into the world, into whatever crazy situation we're involved in or is happening around us, and we need the strength of the presence of Christ. I had uh, coffee with... Um, Gray McPherson, he's the young man from RIT. He's, he comes, he's always has the blue blazer and the tie on. He's from Virginia, good Episcopalian. He's had a rough semester. He hasn't been here a lot. He's like telling me all this. It's okay, Gray. <laughs> so we're having coffee at RIT, and he says, you know, I'm doing an internship out in Massachusetts at Intel, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to church. I said, why is that? He said, well, I went to church when I did my internship with Intel a semester ago, and I just couldn't stand it there. <laughs> They're not like St. Peter's. They, the sermons are boring, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, you've got to go to church. He said, even if the, the community is cold and they don't say hi to me and the sermons are boring, I said, yes. And he said, why? I said, because you need the sacrament. You need the presence of Christ, and that's what happens at church. Even when the preacher's bad or, or the, <laughs> the people are unfriendly, Jesus shows up in the Eucharist. And we gather here, and that's why we're still gathering here, and that's why we're still willing to go out and, and be Christians in the world. That's why we're still willing to go out, why we're still willing to pray, while we still think we can make good changes, is because Jesus shows up here every Sunday, and we come forward, and that presence is made known to us in the bread and the wine, through the power of the Holy Spirit.
I know many people come to me and say, I can meet God in the woods, and I'm really spiritual, and I pray a lot, and, and, and I, tell t- I tell them, that's wonderful, and it's good, and yes, we should all be out walking in the woods, appreciating God's creation and ourselves, but Jesus is only a memory until we make him more than a memory in the presence of the Eucharist. So as we wait for the Holy Spirit, who is coming next week, so we all want to wear red, which is the color of the Holy Spirit, we're going to celebrate with flutes. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful celebratory service. We know that every week, no matter what's happening in our lives, whether there's been joys or sorrows, we can come here not to remember what Jesus did, but to meet Jesus in the bread and the wine.